good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. Um, we really appreciate everyone making the time yet again, and we, um, we also appreciate everyone understanding our decision to postpone last week's uh, to, to sort of give um, a week of, of not only uh, applause, but also just a, a moment of reflection and um, honoring the current situation and the movement. And, the, and I think it's, it's nothing short of um, a revolution that's happening not only in the United States, but around the world. Um, and certainly a long, long overdue one. And that is part of why we're here today. Um, as a community, we've done, um, as a team internally and externally with, with all of you um, in different ways and in different contexts, we've really tried to reflect on the current situation and, and how we got here and what we can do about it. Um, and so we really appreciate Brown Mill and SDN, um, two of our black owned businesses coming today to present uh, the work that they're doing um, in their communities, their designs, their amazing businesses uh, that continue to bring in people in Williamsburg and in Antwerp um, and, and share a bit about what they're doing, how we can help them grow, um, and also just completely outside of fashion as individuals, uh, regardless of our skin color, what we can do to uh, support them and support one another in this uh, certainly challenging year for the world. So. Um, we're going to do quick Canvas team introductions, and, and then we're really going to jump in. And um, I think from Joanna from Brown Mill and Marcus from FCN Brooklyn, uh, guys, we, we really want to listen to you today. We want to hear what you have to say. Um, and this is really going to be your town hall in a way where uh, we'll listen and then we'll, we'll do questions and conversation. But we, I think more than uh, the, the typical way that we do town halls, we want to, we want to make this a listening session and we want to hear from you on. Uh, what this community can do to to help and support. Um, so thank you again for for coming, and we're going to kick off with Steph in Antwerp. Thank you, Steph. Okay, uh, hello everybody. Uh, happy to be present again. Uh, happy to see you all. Some recognizable faces as well. Some new ones. Um, so yeah, I'm the manager uh, in Antwerp and director of operations at the Canvas. Um, I'm really looking forward specifically to the town hall today. Um, I think, you know, being from from Belgium, um, but being very interesting in, I think, global politics and how societies work, um, it's a very concerning time, but also a very learnful time, uh, as Devin said. Um, and I really look forward to learning from uh, all of you uh, to understand the situation, situation better and see how I can uh, help our own society here locally and implement those solutions. So uh, thank you all. Hello, I am uh, Elin. Uh, I also work at the Canvas in Antwerp. Um, um, I'm very happy to see one of the faces every week again. Um, and I'm looking forward to this Canvas, uh, to this town hall also to uh, learn more about the whole uh, Situation. Hi, my name is Jess. I'm the marketing manager at the Canvas. I'm Joanna and Marcus, thank you so much for being here today. Um, I'm excited to listen and to learn. Hi, I'm Kate. I'm the manager of the Canvas Williamsburg and also the designer of our in house brand, uh, Currency Studio. Um, I know this is a stressful and, and draining time for everyone, so um, thank you especially to our speakers for being here, but thank you everyone else for coming as well.
Hello everyone, I'm Tegan, I'm the CEO of the Canvas. Um, I'm, I'm just thrilled to be having this conversation as, as difficult as these conversations are. They're so important and, and so thankful to you, Marcus and Joanna, for, for being willing to be open and talk to us and teach us and help us all get to a place where the world needs to be. And I think it's, it's especially fulfilling to be able to have this conversation with so many people from all over the world because as we're seeing right now this isn't just an issue in the U.S. this is a global issue and it starts with conversations like these so thank you all for being here. Thanks dude. So um, Joanna we're going to start with you I just want to make sure everyone has the agenda if you don't it's available in the chat but before getting questions and Joanna and Marcus please feel free um, to go off course and, and speak about really whatever topic you'd like, but uh, where are you and how are you doing in this in this strange time? That was sort of the the initial question that prompted these town halls, given the pandemic. Um, what do you do and how do you do it as a black-owned business? What are your thoughts on the current moment and how are you using your platform to bring about change? And how can the Canvas community support you and the business at this time? And any key insights on the issues of systemic problems and racism within the fashion industry? And how we can, as a community, identify and eradicate them. So, thank you very much, Joanna. Please. Hi, everyone. Um, sorry if I'm like struggling to speak. I have been protesting the last few days, and so my voice literally comes in and out all the time. So right now, I sound like a little boy, but it is okay. Um, so where am I right now? I'm in Harlem, New York. Um, I am doing, I'm maintaining, like I'm sure the rest of you guys are. I think for me, it's just been like a really weird juxtaposition of, I, I just recently graduated from FIT, so I'm trying to like get into the job market and, and utilize what I went to school for, but it's everything's kind of been on hold, especially fashion-wise. But then at the same time, there's this pandemic going on and I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. I've never been in quarantine before, like I'm sure most of you guys haven't, so that's startling. Um, I have family back home, I mentioned this already, but for anyone that um, came in after the fact, my mother's a healthcare worker in Atlanta, Georgia, and she contracted COVID-19. Um, so then with everything that's happening in the world, there has been happening, but everything that's been highlighted in the world right now it kind of feels like my inner and outer world is crashing at the same time. And I've been in deep reflection about how quarantine has kind of been, has definitely been a reflective time for all people because we have no distractions for the most part, at least for me, I don't have school and um, I work for Brown Mills Remote and is more of a passion project for me. So it doesn't feel like work. I don't, I'm not going through a nine to five meeting and um having specific projects that i need to do every single day so i'm constantly being hit with my my thoughts and my feelings um and that has just been interesting and really difficult to deal with um so that that's what i would have to say about that what do i do and how do i do it um as i mentioned i just graduated so i'm 22 years old i am actually the pr coordinator for brown mill company um I have my major in school is advertising and marketing communication. So all of my internships and all of my jobs have either been retail positions or communications positions of that respect. So 
Um, I definitely love my job and I love what I do. And I basically come in for Brown Mill and just try to tell their their story to the best of my ability. Um, because creating in general or just having a brand, like it's not all the time that, well, I won't even say it's not all the time. When you're in in the four walls of designing and creating a product, the consumer has no idea what's taking place in there. They only see the finished product and they're able to form their own opinions um, and come to their own ideas as to why you made what you made, how you made it. Um, and so from a PR perspective, it's beautiful to just be able to um, give people insight about how something was made, why something was made, who inspired it, um, and things of that nature. Um, and for me, the brand is based out of Piscataway, New Jersey. I'm in New York. Um, so everything that I get to do is digital. It's online. If I have a question, I'll call the team and let them know. It's kind of difficult in that sense because I do feel far removed sometimes from what's happening. I'm in the meetings and we're talking about it. But as far as physically executing anything, I take no part in that. Um, so I'm very thankful for our team at the Canvas um, in both locations for just allowing us to not only have our online store, but moving brick and mortar and just how you guys have been able to flip and innovate during this uh, pandemic and what's going on in the world. So appreciative of it. We were, we saw the landing page and um, we spoke to Devin last week. So um, I'm not sure if he was able to iterate what I said to him or what me and Kwaku said to him over the phone, but um, as, uh as a black american it you never really are too sure about the interactions that you have with anybody i guess you can say that from any with any skin tone from any racial background but specifically for us you never are really too positive about the people that you come into contact with what their motives are what their intentions are how they felt when they met you how they feel uh during their interactions with you so to have the conversation with Devin on Tuesday that was very startling and awkward for all parties involved. Um, I was very thankful because for him, I was letting him know that when you, for us choosing to be with the canvas, we felt like it was a great idea for a number of reasons, but I got my confirmation and I was solidified in the fact that we made a good decision in choosing to collaborate and partner with you guys. Um, because he was willing to have that conversation with us and because he was willing to call us and check on us and see how we were doing despite, you know, maybe not even having the words to say and despite us being exhausted and not even really wanting to chat. Um, really thankful for that. Uh, really thankful for the space and the platform to be able to speak to you all this morning. Very thankful that you guys have even taken the time out of your days, afternoons, and nights to come and listen to both me and Marcus speak today. Um, moving forward, as a Black-owned business, what are my thoughts on the current movement and how am I, how do we use our platform to bring about change? Um, I am also, and we are, as a team, we're all in our 20s, our early 20s. So when you come into this understanding that the world doesn't necessarily look the way that you thought it did your entire life or that there's things that were moving before you 400 years past are still coming back and repeating themselves. It's startling, it's, it's scary, it's really jarring. Um, and so for us, we've always been moving as if that was the case. 
and always moving to be our larger advocate and be a bigger advocate for maybe the people that don't have the same opportunities and privileges that we have. Um, but it, it's been really hard now more than ever because you'd like to believe that changes were made and that big changes were made and things were happening, but at the same time, when you really sit back and you think about it, you wonder if it was really that large of a change to begin with and what more needs to be done. So as far as we come from our brand, um, it's, and as individuals, it's just about informing ourselves, informing other people. It is about supporting the communities that we come from and the communities that have inspired us all along. Um, we do participate in a community garden in Newark, New Jersey that we co-sponsor so that um, the residents there can go and pick fresh fruit and organic things. And um, we do take part in, in being sustainable and that wasn't something that we jumped on because everyone was doing it. It was something that the boys had been doing from the very beginning, just instead of trying to purchase different fabrics, they would go door to door and see what fabrics their mother had or their neighbors had and, and create their pro their product that way, which ended up being um, what we're known for the most. And then as well as just being a part of our community, whether we're having our pop-ups and we're educating based on that, or we are having our community weekly basketball games um, that we're used to having in the summertime where the community just comes out and they rep our clothing. And it's just great to just, Literally, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Sorry. Fellowship. Fellowship together as a community um, and just pouring into each other, giving each other opportunities, job opportunities, insights, what books we should read, things of that nature. Um, how can the Canvas community support you and your business at this time? I think you guys are doing it. I appreciate, again, having the conversation. I appreciate the landing page that you guys have enacted on your website just thinking of new ways to like how quickly you guys shifted into now okay this there's a pandemic going on how do we do this how are we going to do this keeping everybody in the loop um as well as just having those tough conversations like yes me and marcus are here and we're here speaking to you guys and you guys can just go speak to your inner network and and share what we talked about but just educating yourself enough to feel confident enough to have these conversations without someone that looks like me around. Like, if I were there, I wouldn't need to step in because you, you kind of said everything that needed to be said. And I also feel as if whenever you feel scared inside or you feel like there is something that is preventing you or making you worried about what you have to say or a situation that you should step into, that's a situation that you should step into for all parties involved. Like, um, I think empathy shouldn't be a thing that empathy, sympathy, or being able to stand in somebody else's shoes should not be something that we have to be taught or to be learned. Um, but if that is the case, just owning that for yourself, recognizing your privilege, recognizing that not everybody has the same opportunities as you and thus finding ways to make sure that everyone is helped in that respect. Um, there's systematic problems and political problems in every single industry, but within the fashion industry, people like us are not expected 
to even have a brand that um, is that will be successful or that can possibly thrive our clothing or our um, products in respect to somebody else's products may seem like they took less time to make or that they, it was a less strategic um, a less strategic plan in creating it or that it's just not it wasn't as profitable to begin with which isn't always the case like I it's, when you hear or I'm not sure if you've ever heard that but when I was growing up I was always told that I would need to work 10 times harder than the next person um, and as much as that's allowed me to continue to move forward and to grow as a person tenfold it always put an extra pressure on myself to remember that what may come easy to someone else and what someone else may able to easily take and be like, hi, this is what this is. I have to, I would have to showcase that in a completely different light and in a completely different way. I would have to tick a lot of boxes to, for it to even matter or for it to even be taken serious to begin with. Um, so it's just being able to see that, notice that, realize that that's around, acknowledge that, um, and do something about it to the best of your ability, however that looks like to you um but that's all i have to say thank you for listening thank you so much joanna marcus please uh yeah so just um a little background i actually um i have a degree in black studies behavioral social science from uh san francisco state university and originally i was gonna go into community organizing social justice work but I always had like a love of fashion and making things and creating things. So uh, I think where I am today is trying to meld those two things. And uh, through SDN, uh, I'm trying to find a way to uh, create fun clothes that I like and that people would enjoy wearing while at the same time pushing forward um, certain social agendas um currently we work with doctors without borders uh donating money uh new alternatives which is a uh organization that helps lgbtq homeless youth as well as gilda's club which uh helps uh cancer victims and uh their families it's currently i was focused with the pandemic i was trying to think of ways to increase my work with Doctors Without Borders specifically, which I will continue to do, but with everything that's happening right now, I'm trying to really figure out, uh, besides being in the streets, what I can actually do. And I think uh, from a personal level, it's being more unapologetic um, about what I believe in and what I think. Not editing myself uh, to avoid conflict, um, which is kind of something that I think I struggle with personally. And maybe I think oftentimes, I don't know if it has to do with being black, but I think it has to do more with uh, when you sell a product, you try to not offend people. And I think it's important to uh, be 100% and to stand up for what you do. As an example, uh, 
protesting, I came home and I had an idea of like a t-shirt, of a defund the police t-shirt. So I came home and I printed um, some iron-on patches and then just handed them out to friends. So little things like that, I think, could be a good thing. Um, also, I guess a little about uh, SD and the brand. Uh, we've been um, an eco brand since 2008, 2009. Uh, we started a group uh, of, of similar designers and we showed during market week for like five seasons. So that's always been another thing that's been important. Uh, we work mostly with hemp and organic cottons. We use local production when, when we can. Uh, shoes are made from a small factory of, of father and son. Cypress. Um, so everything is small batch. There's less waste. We uh, helped uh, curate a sustainable fashion exhibit in Tokyo in 2018, which was really interesting. Um, and last year, we created um, a fashion film called Joyful Insurrection, which is a celebration of protest, uh, which you can view on my website. As far as what uh, the community can do for me, mostly just listen and support. Um, yeah, right now I'm really trying to just figure things out and it's kind of awkward to discuss, to be honest, but yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. Thanks, Marcus. Just, uh, just so everyone knows, where are you and, and how are you doing personally right now. I'm sorry. However much I'm, uh, you want to get into, no problem. Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn, New York. I'm okay. Yeah, I think uh, I feel pretty privileged that I, you know, have a roof over my head and that I'm healthy. And yeah, I'm okay. Good. Thank you. Well, with that, um, I think the, the most important part of this is going to be having a conversation. And, you know, we, we just heard a lot. So if everyone wants to take a moment or if anyone has any questions right off the bat, um, I know myself and, and the Canvas team have a, a few that we want to get to. Uh, but we'd, we'd like to start with the rest of the community if, um, if anyone would like to, to lead us off. Well, I guess I'll break the ice. Um, Marcus, sorry, I just got here, so I missed some of the names. Uh, it is Marcus, correct? Yes. So listen, something, uh, I, I tend to at least limit my questions to the scope of the conversation at hand. And you just mentioned the idea of not wanting to be offensive. Uh, I'm curious as to what you mean more specifically and without necessarily like mincing your words, you know what I mean? And, and this comes from yep. both having lived in Texas um, I always had a, I'm not American, so I had a very sort of European point of view on things where somebody walking around HEB with like, you know, a Southern flag was, if not normal, maybe something that just deserved a smile and a shrug, but then, you know, a kid with like some sort of intense activist, like black movement related shirt was immediately sort of like, it was another engagement kind of situation. And by the way, the subject wearing the shirt, it doesn't matter who they are. Cause a lot of the guys that I hung out with were, you know, 
like Texas good boys, but they would still have some Black Panther related shit because they understood it and were into it for some reason. Um, so I was curious as to what you meant specifically by that, you know, like from, from your point of view, I guess. Yeah, um, I guess offensive was a bad choice of words. I think if there's um, political movements that I believe in, like uh, pro-Palestinian or um, defunding the police or something that I find some people might, that might be controversial maybe to some people. I think it's important to be unapologetic and to stand up for uh, what you believe in. And I think oftentimes uh, we edit ourselves, especially because you sell product. And it's, I guess it's easier to play it safe to sell things. Whereas yeah. I don't think that should be the, for me personally, that, that can't be my main focus. I guess that's more to the point. So you speak mostly as a brand, I would say, when you say this. Sorry, that might be self-explanatory. Hey, one more but, time. Oh, you speak mostly of this as a brand, as somebody that yeah. needs to move. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I meant in that context. So is this to say it's something you you are affirming in your brand, or something that you see yourself changing uh, in your disposition of maybe sacrificing parts of obvious market for immediate purchase? Um, that you want to change within your brand or is this something always that you felt and that you're just feeling more secure about or I don't know. I, I think it's also reaffirming like we've always been pretty intent on uh, what we do like we made uh, we did a lot of stuff with actions around the RNC I can't remember what year it was when George Bush ran we printed things and took them to the um, to the protests and it's always been, politics has always been in the forefront, but I think moving forward, I would even like to push it further. It doesn't have to be, I don't think overt, but I think um, in, in the messaging, it can be there. And I think uh, it has to be more unapologetic as for me, you know? Yeah, cool. I want to be more hardcore about it. <laughs> That is that is a word that probably needs to be very relevant right now. I think yeah. hardcore is missing. Yes. So for okay. thank you, Mark. Thanks, Robin. For Marcus and Joanna, both of you work with um, you have a you have strong community bases, but you also work with people that are well known um, in the U.S. and around the world. Marcus, you've worked with Beyonce and, and John Bon Jovi. Um, the amount of times I see you know celebrities on the on the Brownell Instagram is, is is countless at this point and. Um, and it, it almost feels like everyone that's that's mentioned in the Brown Mill Instagram is a there's an individualism there um, in, in every photo shoot and every and every output that um, it really shines a spotlight on the person that's wearing the clothing, which is I think um, all that a brand can strive to be. So I'm wondering for for both of you what um, what is the role that you think any brand has to play? And for the larger voices of the world, the Beyonces, the John Bon Bon Jovis, the Jay Zs, the Nikes how can they help as opposed to hurt, even if their intentions are good? Because I know from our perspective, we're seeing a lot of um, spontaneous activism, for, for lack of a better word. And I guess some of it is very clearly well thought through and well-intentioned, and other parts of it, um, and this is in the corporate world, 
are, are, are very clearly calculated and happening because it needs to. And a, a lack of really speaking out at this point is just, um, it's, it's not going to go well for the company. And these are businesses that have otherwise been signed otherwise. So, um, Joanna, if, if, if you can start us off, how do you feel about this? I think <laughs> it's really funny that you say that. Um, I forgot exactly how you said it, spontaneous activism. Hilarious, because I think that's such a fact. Um, I think at the end of the day, we're, we're going through a period of, in our society where this newer generation is not afraid to call things out and is not afraid to let people know when they're not being authentic, because you can feel that. You know the brands that, okay, I'll say this. I've been shocked by, there were some brands that were either haven't said anything at all or I didn't have much to say. There were some brands that did shock me, but for the most part, I was pretty, I don't know, lack of a better word, but I wasn't, I, I just, it was interesting to see the businesses and the brands that felt more comfortable to say something immediately, um, do something immediately, regardless of what the backlash could potentially be. I also feel as if um, court in the corporate world, I feel like the stronger that you are as a brand, like the, the harder those decisions become for some reason. Um, however, I just feel like people and brands should be um, authentic. I appreciate all of the donations to the NAACP, but there's different organizations and different people that can be funded. Funding is not necessarily the main way that um, our communities can be helped. Of course, we do need to defund certain communities and, and um, fund other ones and, and things like that. But I, I would just appreciate it more if companies would find a more tangible way um, to use their brand to uplift, to promote, to teach, as opposed to just taking the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that they take anyway or get anyways and just throw it to someone else to do the job. Um, it would be, it would feel a lot more united if brands were more thoughtful in that respect. I think it, it literally that's it, being more considerate, being more thoughtful, being more intentional um, because all of that can be felt, all of the spontaneity, um, I think it's still having like, it, it's either having a great consequences on that brand or it's having negative consequences because we can see through the bullshit. Thank you. Marcus. Yeah. It's, um, I think another thing that I found, uh, very kind of funny is there was lately, I just recently was, I saw a thing on, uh, Instagram where anthropology had put out a Black Lives Matter uh, post. And then the comment thread, there was a huge comment thread of uh, employees and former employees pointing out how racist, like how they, um, I guess there was a code word that the store employees would use when a black person came in, like a manager would have a code word to watch that person. So there was this whole thread from people all over the United States and Canada, and it was the same thread. So it's kind of like, is a company just saying it because you kind of have to say it, is it lip service, or do they actually mean it and putting it into practice? So I think one good thing to come out of it is people are coming out and 
calling some of these larger brands, that's just one example, but calling out brands for basically just paying lip service to it. So I think that's another thing you have to look at. And also like I do um, freelance work as a set tailor and I do a lot of like red carpet stuff and work with celebrities and the level of, uh, not always, but you know, the power dynamic is always there, but there's so many microaggressions that happen in work that you can't always feel comfortable saying anything about. I feel like in some capacity, maybe that kind of thing will slow down. So, yeah. Mm. I'd like to piggyback off that for a second because you just brought up a really great point. Leadership boards, leadership boards and your employees. I don't want to just see employees that are people of color or are black because you have to check all your boxes for diversity reasons like why there's no gatekeepers anywhere this is exactly why brands keep making these these huge pr mistakes because there's not someone there that's able to advocate and speak up and say no that actually is wrong or no you shouldn't do that because that's called appropriation like there should be no reason why your comments are flooding. And that's been like for many different brands, many different publications, former employees, freelance workers, people that have come into contact with the brand in some respect, being able to say, oh, wow, this is the microaggression that I've, I've faced. Or there was no one that looked like me on the leadership team. So of course, everyone's going to be a yes man and be like, yes, this is great, 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 great. Because there's no one that has that experience to speak differently to it. Um, I think brands really need to rethink that in terms of what your team looks like. Why is your team not diverse? What is the problem? <laughs> There's way too many people in the world for it not to be diverse. Well, Joanna, that's a, a conversation that the Canvas team internally has been having because as we um, started to, to really think about how we wanted to respond as, as a brand and as individuals, we had to acknowledge that exactly, that as diverse as we are in many ways, geographically, as individuals, skin color, skin color is just not, it's not one of those things. And that needs to change and it needs to start to change in our next round of hires. And it needs to start to change in the way that we go about um, finding, finding um, the team members, really. So um, that's an acknowledgement that I, I want to make very known to this community because as a community, we want the, the, the Canvas experience to reflect the global diversity that we have in our brands and in the way that we think. And right now, we're not, uh, we're not where we want to be. Um, Kwaku just joined. I want to acknowledge Kwaku, and I'm not sure if we'll be able to catch him up completely on where we are. But Kwaku, do you want to take a few moments just to introduce yourself and, and your role at Brown Mill? Hello, team. How's it going? My name is Kwaku Ajumayan. I am co-founder of Brown Mill Company. Um, very happy to be here. Um, just for the few minutes I was on, Johanna hit a lot of good points. Um, Marcus, or am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, Marcus. Nice to meet you, man. Um, Hi. Good seeing you, Canvas team, again. Hopefully we see each other in person soon. Thank you. Thanks, Quaker. Um, so I think with that, Please, yeah, we'll open it up. Question real quick. Um, going back to what Marcus and Johanna said um, about authenticity and the necessity for to say something, right? Um, what 
how do you how would you all define that line that balance between being like a news ticker act activist where the spontaneous activism showing up just doing it for lip service like you said versus you know actually being engaged because whenever you're getting the wool pulled over your eyes you just dislike the people even more right whenever like if somebody just threw up a black lives matter ad it can come off wrong like people have said and i would rather as as a brand i don't want to be i don't want to come across as unauthentic right and i don't want to um what is it? I don't want to try and say something that I can't physically make a change about, right? So we're here in Guatemala, right? So there's not much we can do here, but the activism that we do do is physically manifested, yeah? So it's like backing up what you're saying with words or with actions, excuse me, instead of just saying it. And I would rather, I would, li I would like to get the, uh, the participants' um, perspective on that balance between being authentic and needing to say something because sometimes just saying it is it could be worse it could be way worse right i'll well, go I, or, no. no actually no, no you go um for me i i think that that brings up a really good point because sometimes you don't know the line in which you do that i think for one, everybody knows their own heart, right? So if you're posting something for your personal brand, but you know you know nothing about that or actually don't really support or anything, you're just doing that just for the hell of it, then that is, that's an own like personal issue that you'd have to work on there because there is a lot of things that take place that, like I said, if there's not someone there to tell that story for you, you don't have that PR, you don't, like, consumers won't know, but the people that know you personally do. Um, and I think for me, um, friends have reached out or people that trust me enough to have that conversation with me in private to say, Hey, this is what I've been thinking about this. For example, um, in the U S we had a blackout Tuesday. And even as a company, we are in our group chat, like, well, how do we feel about this? Like, do we think that this is taking away from the cause everyone posting black screens on their social media and blocking out, um, by accident, a lot of, the news that was coming in about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and some some brands were literally just posting this black screen and saying absolutely nothing, no caption, nothing. The day was supposed to represent a day for everybody to log off of social media and to go and to educate themselves, to just stop, stop everything, stop their online shopping, stop their music streaming, literally just go and educate, have the tough conversations and decompress. And amongst like, the race in general, everyone was going back and forth about how they felt about it. Do we feel like this is helpful? Do we feel like this is hurting us? Sometimes you're really not sure, but just being able to have the conversation with someone, a friend called me from Germany. Joanna, how are you doing? How do you feel about this? This is what I was thinking, blah, blah, blah. As crazy and outlandish as it may sound or for you to maybe say something that you didn't mean, someone that you trust is able to then, she's talking to me and I'm able to tell her, hey, okay, I see what you thought or when you said this, but this isn't actually that. This is what this means, or this is what's happening. This is what I think. So that maybe it's not, you're not having a great gatekeeping as like a brand perspective, but as a personal perspective, you're being checked by the people that you know that can speak to that for you. So it's just being open to saying the wrong thing potentially and being able to edit it. I went on LinkedIn and 
um, someone from a, a brand that I won't mention was um, posting about a new, a new drop that they made. Amazing, right? They said their post began with the words, on a lighter note, comma, and I really sat there hung up on those three words, on a lighter note, as if the whole country isn't going through something crazy. And I just, I was really trying to check myself, like, okay, this person didn't do it on purpose. Like, what they had to say was really important. They wanted to let everybody know there was a new release from this company. They were not personally trying to victimize me, even though I felt that way. I came back a few hours later, the post was edited to have a new line. I don't know who reached out to her particularly to say, hey, you should change that. But I'm thankful that they did because I was really looking at it like that's crazy. So it's just really being open to someone telling you that you might have done that wrong and being able to say sorry and explain what you actually meant and just go about it that way. That's much better than saying absolutely nothing. Yeah, um, kind of like the perspective, my perspective is like everybody else, everybody's got their own, right? Um, like when my mother passed, right? And everybody would come and be like, oh, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And a lot of it's just lip service, right? They just want to be there and say it just to try and make you feel better. When the reality, at least in my case, was if I could just have you there by my side and available as a support, you don't have to say anything, just be there, right? And that's the way I felt. And this, that was one of the worst times of my life. So, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't want to come across, at least on a professional level, like on a brand level, as like some Uncle Tom fucking guy just trying to get some attention, right? Like a lot of these brands are. Ali, thank you for your question. Do you want to say it out loud? Okay. Hi, guys. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to the media. Um, obviously, it's been uh, – there's just a lot going on. I mean, I've been on it way more lately than I ever am, just constantly going through, reading what everybody has to say. Um, stories I mean there's just so much information there's so many people that are talking some that aren't but um, I'm just curious because I mean I've I've been sort of like jumping in here and there when I feel strongly like from a personal stance of like I want to say something about this because it's how I feel and um, you know I feel comfortable saying something because I have the background knowledge of like this topic so I just feel like uh, I've only been speaking myself when there's those instances where I'm like, oh, I'm going to speak to this because I feel like I can and I um, have an opinion or I want to just have a conversation about this particular thing. So um, I'm just curious when you guys are on days, what do you want to see? What are you seeing now? Um, just kind of talk about what your experience on, well, especially Instagram has been lately. Um, I'll go ahead. Do you just want to go, Marcus? No, 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 please. Okay. Um, for me personally, just going off what Johanna is saying, like, you definitely don't want to see those forced, like, messages or those calls to actions. I feel like as a brand, if you haven't really been talking about social justice and you post, like, a story or, like, a multiple post talking about this is wrong, we're, we're doing this, we're doing that. It just kind of rubs people the wrong way. Um, I mean, I feel like 
if you are in the community trying to empower the black community, you guys should have did the work beforehand and been posting about that and shouldn't wait for a time like this to start posting about that. Also, as a brand, especially if you're a, a white owned brand, you have a lot of power to educate people about different issues. Cause I know from like a lot of my like white coworkers that have been reaching out to me, they will say like, they kind of feel uncomfortable, you know, asking or like, they don't know where to start with education. But if you know, like what books to read or what websites to go to, that's a big responsibility on you. Cause I feel like there's a comfort level on your consumers getting education from you to learn more about the community than coming to somebody like me. And that's just the reality of the world. So um, something like what Canvas did, where I put in like the donation websites on their, their site, that's something I like to see. Cause that's just not like a, this is wrong, Black Lives Matter, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Like that doesn't really do anything for anybody. But you put on your website like, this is wrong, donate here, donate here, watch this YouTube video, read this book. That does more for the community, for everybody, white and black people. So you feel like if, like if you haven't seen that sort of activism coming from a brand up to this point, like um, you just wanna see that they're actually in it, not just like one or two posts. Exactly. Um, and I, this could be a start, like this could be a wake up call that, okay, like we actually need to start doing more for our community, but it shouldn't be like, let, let's just put some, some fake statements together. It should just be like, okay, moving forward now, let's try to do these events, these donations, these charities moving on and tell people that we're actually doing it, like actually put into action. Sometimes we just don't need words. Thank you, Quaker. No Marcus, problem. do you wanna, did you wanna add to that? Oh, I was just gonna say, like the example I used with anthropology earlier is like not to, not to uh, stop someone from posting like Black Lives Matter or doing whatever small um, gesture that they may firmly believe in. I think my point was when it's like a PR move and you have, systemic racist policies within your organization that you haven't addressed i think that's where there's the problem like the thread there were like white employees black employees all saying the exact same thing and i think get, calling these companies out is also really important because it could affect change within that organization or it could just get people to stop shopping there and i think that's important in a way, I think this is sort of the most important question um, because there's this set of, of brands and people that are truly and genuinely waking up to the problem in a way that they haven't before. And then they're trying to figure out how to explain that they're doing, it, doing that. So where will the guidance come from? Is it gonna come from internally, these people finding the words to express themselves and acknowledge that this is I guess, for lack of a better word, an, an awakening, an awakening, an enlightenment of, of some sort. Because if if they don't have the words, it's going to be more difficult. And if they're put down when they try, I guess this is this is really corporate corporate America in, in a lot of ways. It's it's so many people and so many businesses that just don't have 
the right words. Um, this is what I'm thinking about is if, if we're going to make this transition and it's nobody's role to help them. Uh, but if we're going to make this transition, the, the people that need it most, they need to be, they need to be guided to some extent or they need to figure it out for themselves. I'm not sure uh, which way Devin, it is. Devin, can I, can I add, um, I, I have a story that, that really speaks to that that happened um, uh, just the, yesterday. Um, and obviously the Apple store is still closed and I still don't have a live camera, but I, um, I sit on the board for a professional sports organization. Um, and the, it, it's actually a professional football league that they're, that they're trying to stand up. And I, I serve on the board in a couple of different capacities, but one of the, 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 the league is being formed on a platform of social justice. And, and I'm just going to share something really sort of private um, about it. And I don't want to, I don't want to say any names because it was just one of the, it was a really hard conversation. But one of the guys who started the league is a, is a, is a rich privileged white guy. Um, but it is, it's also being started by 50 former NFL players who are standing up to, um, to, to create a different experience and provide wealth, uh, uh, disperse the the wealth in in professional sports what happened was <laughs> this white guy shows up in a in a board meeting and says i want to give reparations we're going to give and he's always said this i mean he's he's always been saying we want to give part of this away um to to, to black americans and the insensitivity of that comment was shocking because the, the 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 people of color on the call were literally like black people don't give black people reparations so like it would be such an incredibly inappropriate thing to say or or thing to do and and i guess that devin your question was i don't have the answer you know i don't i don't mean i'm just sharing as an anecdote but what what we're going to do is never make a decision without a person of color in the room. That for, it's like the lens has to be changed, right? Somehow we have to add some sort of conversation and commentary into our decision-making process until it becomes natural, right? It's almost like training wheels. Like you've got to have, you've got to have all the voices in the room. And if you don't have one of those voices, you know, we're sort of committed to making sure that we find one, whether we're in a different committee. I mean, and, and I don't mean to say it, I mean, I don't mean for that to even feel, it's hard to even say these things, right? But, but, but it was one of those moments where it was like, you don't, you're so in your head and unwilling to step outside and actually understand even the words that you're using and how painful they could be. So, I just feel like for us and all of the organizations I'm working with right now, it's really, a, it, there's a very, um, a very intentional thing happening where, where we're all trying very, very hard. So I just wanted to share that as like, it was just one of those big things. Like you're trying so hard to do something that you think is really good, but it actually would have been like the most offensive and weird thing you could have ever done. So I, th I think that probably just echoing what everyone is saying around check, check, check yourself, you know, and, 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 and have the courage to, to ask someone who, who you 
just met or somebody who you value? Like, is this right or is this wrong? Right. I think the people I'm always met with a big warm hug and a big thank you for asking, not you idiot, what a dumb thing. Right. So that was what I wanted to share. I think um, to piggyback off of Angela, I wasn't even I wasn't a part of the conversation, obviously, so I can only speak to like what you just told us. But like sometimes I would start by saying it's not even just having one person of color in the room or one black person like there needs to be there has to be multiple there should be multiple so that there's that balance there but then I, I think in that man's and in, in him saying that and how like crazy and and jarring that was because of course reparations should never have to come from another black person but sometimes like we have to we come into certain situations and we literally try to speak up for our own cause because no one else is and that was probably what he was trying to do there was just like you know what i have this capacity so i want to do this and i want to give back but to, for it to come from him is like what like you shouldn't even do that but sometimes i know even for myself speaking like i know that i have to advocate for my own people or i'm gonna have to do a lot of things for my own people because there's no one else that's willing to do it um but to answer now Devin's question i think some of it does need to come from your own your own searching of this knowledge but then in other ways i like i told you on the phone call on tuesday like as as difficult and as tough and as exhausting as it might be for me to constantly have the conversation i know that i have to have the conversation i should have the conversation because i have the means to i have the voice to i have the connections to i have the network to the platform to so why shouldn't i like if i need to guide in that sense, then I would have no problem knowing that at one point or another, the conversation will become normal. Even if it's really awkward for right now, I know that through my contribution, I'm speaking for thousands and thousands of people who might never get the same opportunity to do so. So I do it. I wonder, and I think we've, we've talked about this a fair amount recently, but I I wonder if you guys have any advice, I guess, which is kind of ironic in the context of this question about kind of tokenizing black people or people of color within a business context. You know, like I see a lot of businesses put black people into positions of power and kind of hold them up as a token of diversity. Um and then when something like this happens, turn to them and be like, we need you to speak on behalf of every other person that looks like you. Um, and it's, it's something that I personally think about a lot. You know, how, how do I go to my friends that are people of color, that are black people and ask them, you know, tell me what to do? Because it's, it's such a personal conversation and, and it is, I don't know, it, it just, it feels weird to me to go to one person and ask them to speak on behalf of everyone. And I, I feel like businesses have a tendency to do that a lot. Um, but to what you just said, Janet, it, it sounds like maybe it's a bit of a different perspective than where I'm coming from for you. Um, yeah, it is a bit of a different perspective. 
because I was just having this conversation with my roommates, actually. I took a second, or I guess it wasn't even a second, but I was just thinking of, like, the privileges that I have just as myself. Like, we, we this, for a, for a while, we talk about, like, the white privilege, the white privilege, but, like, depending on who you are and where you come from, you can have any type of privilege. Anybody can. And so I was thinking about my own and, like, of just about my parents not being from this country and how they have able to come into this country and, and make three kids that have, I guess in their own specific ways, been those token black children. And it really is the perspective because yes, it is really tiring. And yes, it is like, why is this even a thing? Like, I'm tired of being somebody's like puppet black person where it's like, wow, I'm the one black person that is accepted because maybe I speak differently or because I look different in some respect, or I'm more tolerable in these ways. I, I will do these things or not do these things. So for me, I try to always look at it as the perspective as I'm privileged enough to be able to speak on behalf of people that are not. But from a friend of mine who called me yesterday because her brand was kind of doing something similar to this town hall. And she has just been promoted to um, the, 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 the diversity network um, person basically they just promoted her to this and we were chatting about how she felt about it because of course you're you're gonna like er, this is so awkward like of course they would choose you to be a part of the diversity network melissa you're black wow but then in the same respect i have to come in and be like okay melissa that means that they saw you as the most qualified they're trusting you the most to do this so you know take this on and do with it what you can but again in the same respect the same company that is asking her to create this town hall of sorts is, is now infiltrating on how she's doing it. Devin called me and Kwaku and Marcus and the other brand that you guys carry that's black on and asked us how we felt like this conversation should go. Is this even a conversation we should be having? How, what should we talk about? How should this be structured? Do we feel like this is a good idea? Started the conversation by asking all of those things prior to my friend has been promoted in, as a black woman into this diversity network, given the task of creating something similar. And then when she brought her opinions, her manager is like, oh, well, I don't think that would vote over well. I think it would be better if we did this and did this and did this. So not only did you just tokenize me, but you came in and then told me without saying it that you didn't feel like I was the most qualified, which hurt my friend so badly because why would she not be the most qualified? Why is it even a question about what she should be talking about and how the conversation should go? So it, it comes from a perspective level, Vegan, of you being the token person and how you use that and how you, how you do that and what you do with that. But then if you are coming from a company perspective, why don't we try not to have one token black person can we at least have token black people if that's what we're going to do can we have multiple so then at least we're we're not coming at them and not allowing them to do what we think they are the best fit to do to begin with it's just it's just that i hope that answered the question um just going off your point joanna i'm going through the same as i think right now um i work my day job is i work for a bank and i work in a, the marketing section and this whole week has just been like Kwaku. I'm just gonna like say how they're saying it, like Kwaku, yeah, we need a we need to talk to black people. You're black. What should we say? Like, what should we say? What should we do? But 
since the time I've been working here, a lot of these conversations with the leadership team, I wasn't a part of. Like, they weren't asking for my opinion. They didn't really care what I thought about different things. But now it comes to this week, and they want me to, like, head different initiatives and make the social media posts. And you have the burden of, like, what's going on outside, and now you have the burden of, like, work and saying the right thing to your people. And sometimes, like, you don't want to say anything at all, and you're still processing, you're still going through the grief stage, and now your job is putting you in a position where you have to, like, grief and do work at the same time. So my whole thing is if you do have one Black person in your team, um, you need to start to work early. Start getting them the, their opinion early, bringing them into meetings early so when things like this happen, they don't feel like, okay, now you're just throwing me into this conversation because I'm Black. They should have been in the conversation. They should have been weekly check-ins with that person, making them feel a part of the team. Because I, I feel like if you make them feel a part of the team from the jump, they don't really feel like a token black person. Thank you, Quaker. No problem. Kate, do you want to ask? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm not very good at jumping in, and it's a little slightly off topic now, but... Um, Sort of going back um, to how we were talking about boardrooms and, well, I guess it's on topic, just having the voice coming from that one black person, that one person of color. Um, I think that you can sort of think of it as a parallel to your social media. Um, if you're only following, if the majority of the people that you are following and the content that you're taking in is from white people, you might not. <laughs> know exactly what to do so check in with your your own instagram and what you're looking at and who you're following um and just and and make sure that you're you are following black people and listening to them and um going back to blackout tuesday i was seeing such a divide on my instagram timeline because it was either white people posting it or black people saying hey don't do this. a good idea <laughs> um so just just um that's something that I've, I've been trying to self-improve on and making sure that I'm following organizations and um, even like uh, environmental justice advocates that are black. It, everything comes from a different perspective. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, Kate. Um, we're going to open it up again for for any more questions or if someone wants to, to comment on, on Kate's comment. Um, sorry, I'm trying to survey the, the Zoom room. <laughs> we have one from Romalia. Tov has a question, I think. Tov, please. Tov, you're on, you're on mute. Oh, there we go. Not on mute anymore yet. There you okay. go. Hi, uh, my name is Tulva, and uh, I'm a one-person business. Um, so I do everything myself. I come. I'm an artist, and come a little bit from an activist background. So I want to thank everyone who spoke today. It was really, really interesting to hear you guys' voices. Um, moving forward, I'm gonna. I would just want to get back to Ali's um, point there in terms of what we want to see on social media in the future, and I'm. I, I would like to see more authentic, more authentic collaborations for, between brands. 
they're just kind of like that happens through forums like the canvas. So I am wondering, my question to all of us is like, how can we, how can we collaborate more on the platform that we have? This is amazing platform, the canvas, like in between brands, like um, just like um, by sharing each other's um, brands and ethos and all the, like and on all the social good, impact that we're trying to, to have. Well, Tov, just to, to comment on that, I think mm -hmm. this has been something that we've been thinking about since we started. And when the pandemic hit, it's been simultaneously a step away from that because we're all so disconnected geographically speaking, but also a step in, in that it's given us the opportunity to start these town halls, have these conversations and really set the stage for oh. when things do return to in person. Um, for, for there to be more co cohesion and, and more connection and more conversation. So um, we're already having these conversations internally about how can we start to do panels and, and um, events where it's just the Canvas community getting together, doing what we're doing here, also having fun and, and really um, meeting one another and, and developing the, the personal relationships that um, have started over Zoom, but that obviously are, are going to take um, actually meeting one another, looking each other in the eye and, and continuing them. And, um, I think that's, that it's such a, it's such a great point and it's something that we just have to keep going. And, um, this is a an example of a conversation that while it's the first of its kind within the, within the canvas town halls, it cannot be the last and it must continue. Um, so that's our plan. Yeah. Cause it's such a strong, it's such a strong, uh, community that, uh, we had at the canvas also like, so outwards for people to be more aware of it and learn and look at what you guys and us are doing as role models and sort of dare to go be un more unapologetic as well. Definitely. Um, to piggyback off that, something I thought was cool, um, yesterday actually on social media, there was a hashtag going on Instagram, it was called hashtag share the mic now, where um, there was basically like a swap going for very prominent white women that have social media following, they would swap with and also prominent black woman and the black woman would take over the white woman's social media um and and speak um and just kind of share what was happening so to everyone's point on like just our social media and and what we're doing different how we're going to be moving forward or even like if you have a following that's strongly one race or a following that's strongly about one specific industry or topic i think that was like a great a great way to start that conversation of what that could potentially look like and we've seen Instagram takeovers from brands with their influencers so it was really cool um, to be able to see the flip side of that and how we can do that in an intentional political manner um, but I, I definitely think that that's a conversation everybody's having and everyone's wondering how we can even revolutionize our social medias as well which is really exciting so we'll just see what happens. So we have a question from Amalia. Um, Amalia, do you want to ask, or would you like me to? You can stay on mute if you, if you want to let me do it. Up oh, there we hey, go. Sorry, I just can't use my video now. But hi everybody, and I was just wondering as we enter stage one, and I've already noticed, as I'm sure you all have, that the protests here in New York have been winding to hopefully not a halt, but a. a a little bit slower. How can we keep this momentum alive? Obviously, we've been talking a lot about Instagram, but 
in our real lives, you know? It would be interesting to also hear, not just from New York, but um, around the world, any of our brands and also Stephanie in Antwerp, um, there, there's obviously protests going on in, in Belgium. Is the momentum continuing and, and how are people speaking about it? If, if you can also touch on that. But first, um, if anyone has any comments on New York to Amalia's question, please. Um, Teague, I know you were, you were there the other day. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously a different experience for me joining these protests as a white person, but I just, I, I grew up in a place where I was one of four white kids in my school and, and the other three white kids were my siblings. Um, and racism really didn't, didn't have a concept for me until probably sixth or seventh grade when I moved back to the U.S. Um, and it was just such a powerful, powerful experience being a part of the protest that I went to. And, and I think for me, a big part of how we keep this momentum going is how do we change our individual behavior? You know, protests are the start of it. it. It gets the conversation going. It takes it to a bigger level. But how do we as individuals keep this going? You know, we, we change our behavior. We don't cross the, the street when we see a Black person walking towards us. We don't clutch our purses when we get on an elevator with a Black person. You know, it, it is, it's the individual that causes change. The, the protests start the conversation, but we have to run with it. And we as individuals have to continue to speak up. And, and a big part of this is using our voices, especially here in the U.S., using our right to vote to make change. It's not as simple as just going out and walking and saying I stand with you and, and calling it a day. It is, it is understanding and, and thinking back to that first time that you realized that racism was an issue in this country or in the world, you know, and, and figuring out how we make the change as individuals. Um, it, obviously protests can't go on forever. People can't continue to, to go out and, and walk all day, every day. And so at a certain point, it, it transforms from being a protest or a march to being a movement where it doesn't matter if you're out on the street, you've, you've just got to use your voice. And like Joanna said, and obviously in a different way, we all have our own privileges. And we have to use those to help as many people as we possibly can. Thanks, Steph and Aline. Do you guys want to put some light on Belgium right now? Um, I think it, it took a while before um, the protests here started, or it started to gain traction. Um, it did so uh, on, Mon on Sunday and Monday. Uh, at least Sunday here in Antwerp um, and then in Brussels and in Ghent 
uh, it also started. Um, mainly very positive, um, very supportive. I think Belgium is a country that currently is also, I think like many others, is going towards more division instead of unity. Um, the extremes getting getting stronger. Um, and what surprised me in a, in a positive way is that, you know, I think um, many of you will be aware, but Belgium has quite a dark history um, regarding one of our previous kings in the atrocities of Congo that happens. Um, and obviously that got a lot of attention at this moment. Um, and there was an immediate call, there's still there a lot of statues. I think that's something that happened in the past as well uh, in the United States. A lot of uh, statues of that king, um, King Leopold II it was, uh, were asked to be taken down. And in, uh, in, a, com in a community and society where you see um, all of right-wing arising again, I was pleased to see how unified everybody was in accepting the fact that that part of our history is not something that we want uh, to have to do with. And uh, like so many statues were immediately removed and there was like everybody around was like, yes, that's a, it's an obvious thing that we do. You know, we have a large Congolese community here uh, in Belgium as well. And it's, yeah, it's incomprehensible that they were still there, you know, and, and just standing and, and that's, uh, I think that was a great reaction that I didn't expect would, expect would be so unified. Uh, so that, yeah, that's very positive uh, in my opinion and gives me a lot of, uh, of, of hope. <laughs> that's part of the acknowledgement, I, I think, um, on a unified level that happens. Thank you, Steph. Elaine, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I... Uh... I just, uh, what shocked me really about the whole, uh, the whole story of uh, the Leopold II was, I, get, I think, um, was that so many people of our age just didn't know the story because they weren't taught at school about, it's a part of our history, but nobody knew about it and it really shocked me. Um, but right now, I, I read today that as, uh, from now on, it's uh, mandatory to teach it in high school to kids, but it shocked me that it's only just now uh, mandatory because it's also a big part of our own history. But I think that's one of the good things that come out of the, the protest. Mm. Yeah, you can't, you can't be selective in your, in your history. You have to tell every part of it. Yeah. The U.S. is still working on learning that lesson with our history. Um, something I wanted to say is that we're trying to do with town halls, um, compile a reading list based on our discussion. And I think this is especially relevant now with such a permeation of so many resources, so many great books, movies, TV shows to watch. I also feel um, as though there's kind of an option paralysis when that happens and people don't exactly know where to begin when there's so many options. So. Um, Joanna and Marcus, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if there's any books or movies or TV shows that you'd like to mention that um, you think are helpful in this discussion, um, it'd be a great opportunity to share them. Um, I 
I guess, thir the 13th, or is it 13, the Ava DuVernay documentary series mm -hmm. was quite good on Netflix. It's just off the top of my head. Um, there's so many books. If you guys want to email them. Yeah, I'm if you, sorry. If you have I any ideas, we can, we yeah. can send them out to everyone. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. I agree with Marcus. I was going to say anything by Ava DuVernay, um, I, especially if like, depending on what you like, but I think she finds a creative way to, I don't want to say spoon feed, but to literally do that, like to spoon feed and, and to show us maybe things that we didn't know um, in such a creative fashion that you get so intrigued and you get so moved um, by watching it. Um, anything, any of her works, I would, I would say Ava DuVernay, uh, she's definitely, she's definitely great for that. And I'll be thinking on like books. I'll definitely email. Some actually, actually, I just recently read it. It's not ex completely specific to today, but I read a book called Never Caught and it's about a woman Ona judge and she was one of George Washington's slaves. And it's, it's really interesting because it, on a lot of levels, because uh, it, it just shows you how important freedom is in, in a context where you could even be privileged within a certain context and still freedom being more important than being comfortable. So that, that was a good one. Thank you. Thank you guys. We'll, we'll definitely follow up about that. Yeah. Um, um Please. I just have one, one last thought to share, I guess, kind of going back to Joanna's point about using the privilege that we have. And I mentioned briefly my upbringing, but I grew up on a small island in the Bahamas and, and the culture there is that you say hi to everyone when you see them. You know, if you don't, someone will come and find you and yell at you for not saying hello. And if you walk in a store, you don't try and buy anything without saying good morning or good afternoon or good evening. And, and really just that initial acknowledgement of humanity. Um, and I think that it's even, even in a place like New York, it's such an important thing to hold on to. There are a bunch of old guys that sit down on my corner every day and, and just hang out and when I walk my dogs they all say hello to me and it's definitely one of the highlights of my day of just stopping and, and saying hi to these guys like checking in on their their dominoes game and stuff like that and, and I think that one of the littlest things that we can all do to make a massive difference not just for people of color but anyone who is struggling people who have depression people who feel put down for whatever reason is just inject that little bit of humanity and our day-to-day -day actions to you know when you call a customer service number say hi how are you and, and actually wait for them to respond um, and care about what people are saying not just asking for the sake of asking to be able to say that you're a polite person um, I think it's it's a piece of the privilege that I have from the way I grew up, and and I hope that we can all 
figure out how to put it into our day-to-day day -day lives. This is something that, um, you know, Tegan and I have been running Currency now for over just about four years. And every time Tegan gets off the phone with someone, um, it doesn't matter who it is, if they'll ever speak again, if the conversation was 30 seconds or three hours, um, if it's regarding taxes or something like it, Tegan always has a story to tell um, about some strange connection developed in that very short period of time. So Tegan, I, I appreciate that you always do that and, and that you've, uh, that you mentioned that it's, it's, it's a good practice. Um, we're going to once again, and I think for the final time, cause we're way over time, um, open it, open it up for any last comments and, and thoughts if anyone wants to share. Um, so please. I just wanted to say something else, um, just to kind of piggyback on talking about like, obviously when all the protests don't continue anymore, everyone's back to work and they can't how to like keep that momentum going. Um, I think something that's been driving me to like do more research or like start listening to audio books or think about ways that I can use my art to help donate or raise money. Um, it's just like, I think, I'm so angry about like being almost like about the education system and like what we were actually taught in school and growing up and just like not being given the full story and the full knowledge of like what happened, what's still going on, you know, what even is racism? What does that mean? Is it, you know, it, it exists on so many levels. Um, and I think I just, I'm just mad that, like, I was not educated growing up on everything, and it's been pushing me to um, want to learn more and just learn and, and know everything that I wasn't given in school or growing up or just from my family. I mean, there's just, yeah, it, so many things are missing on so many levels, so I think looking at yourself and your situation, how you grew up, what you were taught, and like letting that be the driving factor of how you want to move forward in your life and represent your brand or um, any of that. I mean, just finding your own personal purpose and like how you want that to drive you. I mean, that's, that's where I've been coming from. So I hope that. Thank you for sharing that, Ali. Um, I do have something to say. I'm not sure if this is going to come out as a question or um, as a statement or something. Um, uh, first of all, for those who don't know me, um, I come from Greece. At the moment, I live in the Netherlands, but uh, all my education uh, came from the Greek system. And I, I recently noticed with um, uh, other friends I have from Greece, uh, uh, friends that I have who live in Bulgaria and in Poland, that we have a difficulty of um, making other people from our countries get interested in, in, in diversity of any kind, because our countries are so like, 90% white and 90% straight that the argument I keep hearing all the time is 
why do you care? And yeah, that that that's it. And uh, actually, I think I'll I'll wait for that list of uh, movies and books. Uh, so then, I can share that and maybe make other people care too. Like I don't know. It's it's been in my in my mind. Um, that brings me to a friend of mine that reached out to me from back home, and she was letting me know that her silence was not because she didn't support. It was just that, like many of you guys said, she didn't she didn't have the right words or didn't really know how to approach it and was telling me like the frustrations that she was having with her own people because she is white, she's a white American. And so she was just saying, it was more of like a frustration of the lack of interest and the lack of knowledge and how difficult it was for her. Uh, she's also from Georgia, so being in the South and people not understanding the fact that they can be subliminally racist. So when she would try to enlighten them on that or any in any sphere, how difficult it was to just find people that cared or that were interested. Um, so this is more of like maybe a motivation of you to just not give up. And it's not to say that you don't want to educate others, but like you can only lead a horse to water. You can't make a drink. Like if you're not open-minded, if you didn't have certain experiences that make you aware of certain things, then there's certain reasons why you do or do not care about things. And it really sucks because on a human scale, you're just like, how? <laughs> like, why is that not natural for you? Um, but I just think knowledge is power at the end of the day. And as long as you're taking care of yourself and you're making your own decision to intentionally think differently and to see differently, and thus impacting the people that come into contact with you specifically, that moves tenfold. Like you just making sure you're taking care of the people around you, even if there's 90% of people in your country that don't care about the things that you care about. It's just knowing that you're educated so that if someone comes to you with a question, you're able to speak to that or you're having your own kids or your own family members come into contact with you or your friend, you're able to speak to a situation and you're able to like stop it however you can within your own sphere. I think that matters more than trying to attack everything over here because once you're once you're like pouring into the pots that are around you, those overflow in ways that you'll never realize. So just keep doing that and be thankful that your whatever experiences that you've had have made you open minded to the fact that others have different plights than you and you care about them. So that's what matters. I Thank you, Joanna. <clears throat> Robin, is that the forward lean of, I'm gonna say something? No. Okay. Oh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I probably have like 150 questions, you know, and it's like, it just testifies to, because I mean, the situation we're in and everything, like everything we're discussing separately, like it's funny if you even think about the remote subjects that are addressed, it's like, there's like, like community building and what should we do in the C-suite of a corporate, you know, entity and education. And, and it's like, it's such a layered nightmare that we are placed into like just you know it's a buildup of centuries of culture and history rewrite and corporate behavior it's just um it's very overwhelming and i don't even mean that necessarily as a white person because i feel like we all speak from that angle it's more like just as a human being 
I think if you really acknowledge what is happening and how we are all individually part of it in one way or another, I mean, she used, uh, Joanna used the, the word uh, subliminally. It's, it's a simple word, but it's a very important one because I think there lies a big portion of the issue. It's like active activism, temporary, whether it's, you know, just reactionary and whatnot is important, but you know, I don't know. It's, it's difficult to phrase the question. Frankly, my, my only question, and that's the thing, I don't even know how to ask it, is, is, you know, beyond all discussions of how to, you know, properly form a message or a product for a corporation or going back to reading books and instructing yourself, all of which I think is super legitimate, but it falls into a structure that is by itself designed to either favor that so that it works temporarily, but not op like not in a great way as per the exchange with Marcus about how can, how boldly can one be in a product? I mean, even that we have to have that exchange beyond issues of race or socioeconomical levels or whatever is ridiculous. Like we're in the 21st century, you know, like it's, it's just bizarre, but it's, but it's a true discussion. So I guess my question, if I had one would be, and I'm sorry that, uh, is his name pronounced Kwaku? Kwaku, yeah. Kwaku. I, I, she, and even asking that, it's like, I'm tired of also feeling like when I can't pronounce name, it's awkward to ask. It's like, shit, I saw it once. The sequence of letters I don't recognize, so I have to be able to ask. But uh, it's too bad he's not here because I think his, his answer regarding his role in the marketing department at the bank is a very important starting point. But it's so, it's so fickle. But it's super important that the idea that everybody is being reactive and backtracking into systems that are in and of itself already embedded with such poison and such history that the change happens just in marketing or in accounting or who knows what is, where it's happening but but ultimately the corporate structure that it's embedded in still very much presents a problem so my question is more of a human one and it's it's kind of simple but it's it's odd uh, it's um if you were to have, and I understand that probably this is a lot more prone to the American reality of things, but I really think it is mostly Western civilization in general, unfortunately, and logically, weirdly enough. But it's like if you, from those things that you've lived as individuals, beyond the limits of your functions at, as, 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 you know, professionals or designers or consumers even, Say, assuming you might have children, for example, or, or people that are going to relive things in the future, what would be that one thing that you don't wish for them to go through that you might have experienced yourself? And, and it's a lot more along the lines of the education uh, mentioned that uh, Aline did. Is it Aline? Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, Aline. Aline, yeah. It's like Aline mentioned the idea of like how education needs to be revisited. And again, it's crazy we have to have that discussion at this point, but we live in systems that totally have revised history. So more along those lines, what would you, why would, what would you identify as something that you would really want human beings of the future, specifically ones that are embedded in minorities? I don't even know if that applies anymore because who is a minority in any country um, would not have to go through that you might have, you know? Like, and again, I don't know how to phrase that properly. I don't know if I can even convey what I'm trying to get, but. Um, 
Yeah, it's hard. Sorry, guys. It's like I, I, I know it's all over the place, but it reflects truly my, my uh, emotive and intellect for the last week, uh, basically, when I think about these things. Because it's really a snowball. Like, it just never stops. Marcus, so, did you have anything to add? Because I, I feel like I keep... I like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm as well. Thanks. Um, so, so just actually, hold on, Joanna. Marcus, earlier, for example, like it caught my attention when you said that you worked as a freelancer, right? And you saw these sort of like... Um, Microaggressions. Yeah. And even like you mentioned this sort of like, like, like power frequencies that happen and that they're bound to happen. So oh, as, an, as an individual, when you say this, I'm assuming, okay, he means this definitely as a black person, right? But then I can relate in my own ways because of my human experience, but it, it goes out of like my skin, right? Like, it's like, I have to emotionally understand what you're saying. I guess my question is, why do you think that is in, in, in and I know it's a big question, but then reversing the question of what would you change is, do you think those things can be changed? Like, is that something that can only be adapted to? Or is that truly something that can be dissolved and made something else? Like, truly? Well, in the context... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, the only way that, that something like that can be changed if people are called out on it. That's just... That's the only way. Because if people get away with doing stuff like that, it'll never stop. Just simply, so that's a struggle. I think to to kind of answer that the way I can, because I'll speak to Quay. I'm gonna go in three different parts because I'll speak to what you mentioned about Kwaku. Um, so wherever he, where he worked, I won't mention it, but he was just telling me how they were not able to publicly make a statement because this place has been around way since way back when. So when slavery was a thing, this institution was a thing as well, and so for them to make a statement would they wouldn't be able to the way that they would want because they would lose both consumers i guess or both people that really pour into their financial institution but to say nothing they would lose the white liberals so they had to make sure they made a significant donation to the NAACP but like that's what most people have been doing which goes back to our first like one of our first questions too about like how to authentically do things and um I was like talking to him about it because I'm like, yo, how do you feel about that? Like you literally work there. And he's like, I know <laughs> I work there, but you have to think about it in this particular way. Them donating to the NAACP being a financial institution is literally easy. But for them to go and say something publicly and say anything crazy could potentially ruin something significant. Like, a, like for me, if I said that, if I said where it was, you guys would be like, oh, shit. But I can't. So it's just it's one of those things where you're just like, wow. And that's really what I've been going through, too, because it is a snowball effect of like there's so many different levels of education, the like prison, just you're where you live. Like, it's crazy. But for me personally, I don't have the answer on if it's anything that can definitely change for certain. I think it is too hard to say, because like I said um, earlier, you would have thought that we've made such change and we've progressed so much from 400 years back, but really the only difference is that we don't have physical shackles on. Everything else is still the same. It's literally, you just can't see it. It's invisible shackles, but I digress on that. Um, I would say 
for me anyways, it's been an adaptive thing and I haven't been cognizant of it until I'm, I am very hyper aware. But all that I think is necessary is, what is it? I, I wrote it recently. Um, I think it's hope and ambition. Hope and ambition. And I say that because for me personally, I've noticed my privilege and I've noticed how I've gotten here. But when I come into contact with other people that look just like me, I realize the things in which, why it was that they, they don't have the same opportunities, whether it was where they, where their parent had to live. So if they were born in New York City and their parent shows, not even shows, their parent was black and was forced to find housing in a, in a less profitable or a spot that the government deemed that there shouldn't be investments for that spot, so the project, and they've had to grow up there, so now they're exposed to these these types of things, these types of issues, these types of problems, only to go to a school that doesn't have the same funding as another school, and teachers that aren't getting paid the right amount of money, so now those teachers are taking out their own anger and their own pain, projecting it on those children, so they're hearing things like, okay, five of you guys are gonna go to jail, five of you guys are gonna die by the age of 15, Three of you guys might make it into some corporate setting. You know, like, I've never had teachers speak into me to, in that degree, but I've also never lived in the city. Like, my parents have always lived outside of the city or around people to where they paid for us to go to private school, and then I went to public school, so maybe that's why I didn't experience these things. And I was able to still keep this hope in myself and in my skin color that even if I had to work 10 times harder, I could potentially do it because I had the hope and ambition to do so. So I think it's literally just that. If you can continue to speak into your child or your anything, your network, and continue to promote love, nurturing, hope, the thought of the, of the fact that you can make a change and that there can be a difference someday, I think that literally just keeps going. Like that's the only reason why I feel like I've been able to make it is because I haven't had consistent blockades on everything that I was trying to do. Maybe I had one here, but there was still someone here that was telling me that I was, I was able to do it. Or maybe I had two here, but there was still something from with, inside me. But at that point, no one could really take me out of the headspace that like, no, I'm real. I matter. Before Black Lives Matter came about, I knew that I mattered and I knew that I could make a difference. And so I'm trying to do so. I think hopefully that answers your question. It's just, it's literally just about the hope. What are you exposed to? How many, how many, uh, obstacles do you have in your way and are those like can you change those obstacles can you make it to where there's still a way for you to get out do you see a way for yourself to get out that's the biggest thing like do you see light at the end of the tunnel is that an actual question or is that rhetorical that's rhetorical <laughs> <laughs> cool because that's like a really long one too I would yeah. say the, tu the tunnel is so long, I have no idea at this point. I th three, month three months ago, the tunnel seemed merely approachable. Now I have no idea, <laughs> no idea of how long it is at all. I, I actually don't even, I don't even think the light is at the end of my own generation, to be frank, when you really think I about will be, I'm going to be serious with you, too. I believe all of this is for future generations. I don't know if I'm going to live to see it, but it's fine, because I remember sitting down thinking like, oh, Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, cool. They did all of these things for me to be able to do this awesome and we're still doing it so hopefully someone is looking in the hopefully uh 
new innovative textbooks or whatever it looks like in the future to see that there were still people that were doing it even amongst the pandemic hmm. we can only hope well with that i don't think we're going to end on any other type of question <laughs> but a rhetorical one otherwise this will keep going um this has been so powerful and i just want to thank you joanna and marcus and, and kwaku please uh send her thanks to him as well this has been amazing um, and once again, a testament to, I think, the community that we've built in this time. So if anyone else from the Canvas team wants to say anything, I just want to personally thank you guys again and just also mention that um, we are, we're putting these up as podcasts on Spotify, but this was a very unique conversation. So I just want to, I don't want to put anyone on the spot right now, but if anyone that participated in today's conversation wants to send us an email and, and request that we, we don't do that, um, we will not do that for, for the conversation today because I know there, was a, there were very personal elements to it um, and we'll respect any, any single person saying that. If, if we don't hear from anyone, um, we'll assume that everyone is okay with it and, and, and we'll, we'll go ahead and do that because I think this is a conversation that should be heard if everyone feels uh, like that's appropriate and, and okay with them. So again, thank you everyone. Um, Canvas team, if you want to say anything. Yeah, just thank you guys. This has been an incredible conversation. Thank you for being so open and for sharing with us. I watched this movie a couple weeks ago about uh, women's liberation that ended with uh, the statement just on a black screen, the fight against the patriarchy continues today. And I think that there are a lot of movements that started with past generations that we continue today and that our kids will continue to carry on and that humanity has to keep working towards to find this perfect balance of respect and love and care for everyone. And I so appreciate you guys taking the time to help us all get there. Thank you, everyone. Have a great rest of your week. Bye. 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 See you.